spiritual conversations for the godless. I'm Matthew Blake. And I'm Karen Thurston. Welcome to Heathen. Hi, heathens. Hi, heathens. <laughs> um, why are we always laughing when we say that? I don't know, because it's funny and we always pause awkwardly before we begin. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Uh, hi, heathens. Hi, um, Karen, what are you wearing? Well, first of all, we're, we're not in the same room today. You're you're in the northern part of our California, and I'm in the southern part of it. Yeah, I'm up in Morro Bay, which is uh, near San Luis Obispo. It's a little beach town that I kind of grew up in. My grandparents lived here when I was growing up. So I'm actually in my grandmother's house where my grandmother no longer lives, um, hanging out and enjoying some peace and quiet and retreat time. That's cool. delightful. You... In my very quiet outfit. <laughs> yeah, peace and quiet except for what you're wearing. <laughs> Tell me the story behind... You're wearing right now. It looks so, amazing. First so of all, my, can I can I just describe what's happening here? Oh, so, please do. Um, okay, the hat. Um, it's like Audrey Hepburn ish. Mm. What what is that style of hat? Do we know what that's called? It's like a fedora, but not. It's like a yeah. Lady it's like yeah. a fedora and a bucket hat kind of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like a fedora and like one of Blossom's hats got together. But, yeah. but it's. Checkered, baby. It's black and white checkered, <laughs> like, you know, bathroom tile. Um, <laughs> and then your shirt is straight off of Will Smith in mm. in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Like, yep. every 90s color and shape you can imagine. I just was, I was really feeling the 90s crossover sitcom vibe. <laughs> From the last episode. <laughs> Keep it going. That's Why rad. stop now? Yeah, it's like it is it's like blossom meets uh fresh prince that's what it is yeah and what you can't really like it doesn't do it justice because it's a huge like i'm six feet tall and it goes down You're to almost swimming in it and i thought that it was massive. a jumpsuit maybe at first god i wish it was a jumpsuit, but no it's just a giant shirt so um <laughs> i spent a lot of time choosing this ensemble because <laughs> my aunt works at the community theater here and um they have moved their costume storage for the whole theater downstairs in my grandma's house. So I walk down into the basement and the basement literally looks like a costume room from a professional theater. Like it's all color organized and rows and rows and like period military costumes and all kinds of stuff down there. So I am essentially like alone with a giant dress up box. (laughs) 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 No one to supervise me. So that's amazing. Yeah, I tried Are on they- a full-length rainbow sequined thing. What? It was, it was itchy. Um, mm. Is there? Is there any? Do you get to like keep anything, or is this all? No, I think it all belongs to the theater, and I'm trying to like not break anything because I feel like that's probably important. <laughs> but uh, I try everything on then. Yeah, since you can't. I, I know. There's so mm-hmm. much. There's shoes and accessories and jackets and like it's endless. I I'm going to have to like to get any work done this weekend. I'm going to need to set very yeah. boundaries for myself. So well, good yeah. luck with that. You seem to yeah. be doing a great job so far. Yeah, so far I'm really keeping it together. <laughs> obviously. So <laughs> how many days have you been there? I just got here this afternoon. Oh, okay, okay. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. I'm fine so far. It's new. It's new, yeah. right? Yeah. The novelty yeah. will wear off. 
Yeah, I'm texting you my other <laughs> alternative outfits, just so you know. Oh, good. Yeah. The ones I didn't choose for, for this occasion. Um, <laughs> should we introduce our fabulous guest? Yes, I think so. Uh, so, hi, Megan. Hello. Megan Posner is here. Welcome to Heathen. Thank Hello. you. Um, let's see. So we uh, got we connect, we got connected after we we did the interview and episode the slippery slope episode mm-hmm. with Kristen Cairns. Yes. Who took episode. us, she's our drinking buddy. She took us, <laughs> <laughs> took us drinking and, uh, and we talked about alcohol and growing up in repressive, you know, ch- church culture that doesn't like alcohol. Right. And that was a really great conversation. It was, it was like, I, I feel like it was a, like both of your experiences and Kristen's too was like, so, not only different from my own, but like one I had never really heard of. Like mm. it was very enlightening. That's fantastic. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so you, you reached out and said, Hey, like <laughs> I have a story too. Um, <laughs> and something's dinging over here. Sorry. Um, and uh, I mean, I, immediately I'm, I'm super interested. So um, yeah. let's go ahead and give you the chance to introduce yourself okay. uh, as we do on Heathen. I know it's the, <laughs> most, it's the most intimidating part. If you can get through this though, the rest of this is a breeze. All right, like, <laughs> I'm ready. Here we um, go. Right. I'll start with, um, what is it called? Um, a story. There you go. <laughs> so like before we were talking about how, like kids are the worst, kids can kind of be bullies. Um, and I was bullied a little bit in school and I remember there was this one girl, I think it was in middle school, who tried to start a rumor that, like, her and I were going to fight, like, physically fight. Like, and meet me on the playground at three. Kind it of had, it's going down. Ooh. No one believed her. Because, like, the kind of person that I am, like, I would never get in a physical. Maybe now I would. I'm a little bit more scrappy in my old age. Right but, on. <laughs> yeah. If it was called for. Yeah. 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 <laughs> But uh, I like to say I'm like, I'm soft and scrappy. That's awesome. Yeah. Because I'm very empathetic. Mm. I'm very open-minded. I'm kind of that person that like, you know, when someone's giving a speech or a presentation, like they seem to kind of hone in on me because I'm like the mm. one that just has like smiles for days. And yeah. I, I'm a ge- like, listen, I'm a genuinely good listener. Like, um, and so I really because I am very open-minded and seem to kind of give off that energy. Yeah. I've had so many interesting connections with people of all ages and styles uh, throughout my life. And I'm only 28. So I'm like super stoked to see what's up next. Yeah. But, yeah. Man, that is, that is great. Cause I, 20, I would say 28 was when it started to get good for me. Like, really? yeah, I loved 28. That was yeah. my favorite year ever. Mm. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I feel like it's been a really rough year. It's oh, been boy. one of my most challenging, but... Well, to be fair, I didn't have, you know, <laughs> Trump as president That's when real. I was 28, so... That is real. Um, but yeah, I feel like for me, it was like age 21 was like... I'm kind of... I feel like I'm like going back to how I was when I was 21, mm. where I can sit in a coffee shop and it's typically 70-year-old women badass women who come over and they 
asked to sit next to me like that or people I'm the most directionally challenged person but I'll keep me in another country and people will ask me for directions <laughs> yeah and you just have that like you're you're that safe person I'm yeah. gonna go ask you you're gonna know what you're talking about yeah, yeah I get that I feel that yeah and I think the last couple of years have been a little bit gray um and I've almost like tried to like turn that off mm-hmm. um and this year I realized uh, when I turn it back on, it actually like fulfills and enriches my life a lot. Mm. But I can also have boundaries on days that I want to put my earbuds in, not talk to anyone. Yeah. Advice. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks. That's a really interesting, that is a fantastic way to introduce. Yeah, I like that so right. much. Thank you. It tells us a lot in a, in, with, with a story. I love it. Thank you. Um, cool. All right. So I, I'm, you made me think, we, we might be kind of opposite sides of the same coin because mm. I feel like I've got the, I mean, scrappy is not the word mm. I, I use for myself, but I'm like bulldog, maybe. Okay. More, more. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the Enneagram at all? Uh, Enneagram personality typing system. That's cool. It's fine. We talk about it. Like everybody knows it and very do. few people. I'm do, very so. interested. Um, we, we'll tell you more. Please. It's, yes, it's wonderful. Anyway, I'm, my personality types just like, uh, you know, Challenger. Challenger. The Challenger. That's the name. Okay. Um, and I feel like in recent years, I've been learning. My word for this year is actually soft, which you you said. Soft. You use that word. Wow. And so I'm always like, ding, ding, ding. A little yeah. thing goes off uh-huh. my head when somebody says that. Because that is, actually, I'm not wearing it right now, but my boyfriend got me a bracelet that says soft on it. Oh, that's awesome. And um, yeah, it's like I'm trying to engage more of that side that can be empathetic, yeah. but it's not necessarily always my inclination, my yes. first inclination. Yes. So I feel like we're kind of reaching across and meeting in the middle a little bit. That's great. Because well, my word for this year was assertive. Ah, that's <laughs> so, perfect. Yeah. Basically, Megan and I are the same person. And yeah. you're the same person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that's cool. We're writers and we both have faces that say, talk to me. So that's cool. Yeah. yeah, I actually like the last couple of years have intentionally practiced and adopted a resting bitch face. Like that's. How are you doing that? I would like. That's been just, I just, it's just very serious and I don't make eye contact and I walk quickly Mm. and I kind of furrow my brow a little bit and I just look like I might hit you. I guess. Yeah, yeah. But um but I have to be intentional about it, like to the point that I laugh at myself trying to mm-hmm. do it, which then ruins it. Yes, that's like your that's kind of this project that you've taken on this year is trying out the resting bitch face, which I commend you because I don't think I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> I just there are days, like you said, where like I do want to just go to the grocery store and I don't want to give people directions or I don't want yeah. to make friends every day. So yeah, I feel like that's the most guaranteed way to avoid, although some situations it just doesn't work. I think it's just not very convincing. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, that's not true because I do have very convincing resting bitch face. Are you, mm-hmm. are you doing like, it right now? Yeah, it is good. It's just my normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I still get stopped <laughs> randomly all the time. Like, especially cause I work in Babo park, which is uh. you know, very busy. And I will have my earbuds in always. Mm-hmm. I, I walk every lunch, I, all my lunch breaks, I go for a walk. Um, people will just, yeah, just pull me yeah. over and be like, hey, do you know where or da, da, da. you look like you know what's going on? So it's not necessarily yeah. the best foolproof um, deterrent. Yeah, for, and for me, like it's, it's like it's kind of become important that I try to create boundaries because my job is like 
I am the point of contact. I am dealing with people all the time. And it's like, it's where it's like, sometimes I hate my own name because I can make it. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, Megan will know. No, maybe I'm exactly. Megan. Megan will know. And uh, it's like, I just, I'm a, an introvert first and foremost. And so, right. But I enjoy and kind of for my sanity do need some extroversion. Mm -hmm. So, um, but it's like, if that happens, it's like today, I almost kind of felt like I had a little bit of like a social hangover where I had spent a lot of time yesterday connecting with a bunch of people talking, really kind of putting myself out there. And then I woke up this morning feeling like, whoa, like I, I need to kind of connect back with myself mm-hmm. um like I was like tempted to go sit in the closet for a hot minute and just be like who are you same thing yeah totally the same it's balanced Karen I'm sorry it's so funny because now like you're, you're like, on the phone now, you're now I'm in the 90s actually holding a phone to I my know. ear like I would have done in the 90s um I figured that this might actually be better because with speakerphone then it's probably recording your voices along with mine and this seems smarter somehow so here we are. I'm, you may just call me the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> the Fresh Prince of Blossom. Prince of Blossom. Yeah, Fresh Prince. Sure, that's yeah. that's a real thing. That's good stuff. Um, yeah. Wow. So, well, again, I feel like I'm I'm the other side of this coin because I'm practicing turning off my RBF or just trying mm-hmm. to be less um, off-putting. And how have you done that? Like, how does that look? Uh, you know, I tried to smile, I think. I just try to smile at people randomly, but then that yeah. gets tricky because it's like, <laughs> I'm a, you know, six one, very large man. And, it, uh, you know, some people just look at me like, what? why are you, like, don't, don't connect with me. I don't, uh-huh. I don't need to talk to you. Um, but I, I don't know. It has, it's, I think there's, positives you know I think for me it's like I feel connected sometimes just more to people and I feel like more like part of the action instead of an observer of the action which yeah. I, that's mm. my fault I feel like I observe yeah a lot. so that that helps me in that area I also do the I which I didn't know was like the white guy thing or just white white people thing where we kind of do the half like half smile where we're not really smiling with our eyes. We don't show our teeth, just kind of like bring your cheeks up. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, you know, you're, it, it's just an acknowledgement. It's like the acknowledgement thing that you do mm-hmm. when you pass somebody, you're not smiling at them. You're not doing anything North of your nose. Your mouth just does this weird thing, mm-hmm. which I didn't know. I totally was did. I saw, yeah. Th- there's this hilarious video, um, that I, I can't remember if it's an Indian girl or a black girl, but she, she made this video about how, again, she just filmed like white people doing, this. And she's like, what is up with white people? Like, why don't, why does everybody make the same face at me all the time? It's really it, it's That's like, so oh, funny. I've never heard that. And it's oh, so true. It is so true. Yeah. It's like a thing. I can do the face. Like it's this face. You got like, it. It's totally, it's that. Like I do that all of the time. They have a little nod. Mm-hmm. It goes with it. My eyes go. My eyes always go. But still, it's that little like half. Hey, which is like, I see you. 
so different than like my grandma, um, my grandma, my dad's side. She, it's like, I always really like marveled and loved how she interacted with her like girlfriends um, where it's just, you know, it's like touch on the elbow and it's a hug and it's a pat of the head. Like it's a very physical thing interaction when she connected with people. And I think it was like a Tim Ferriss podcast that even said that like, we forget how close mm. we are to monkeys in the sense that yeah. they're touching each other mm. all the time. And uh, you know, it's physical contact is important. And maybe if you don't, you don't even have to like really touch, but it's something about like when you commit to like making eye contact. Yeah. Whenever I say that, I'm like, you know that is it's true it's very funny because I think about the contexts where I don't like to be touched and it's Mm. the it's with the people that I don't want Mm. to get to know very well like it's at work like Mm. at work I don't touch me at work like there's I've had to actually talk to a couple co-workers about there yeah when I feel like it's invading my space or whatever and and I realized Mm. that's not my that's not my all the time. Like sometimes I love hugs and sometimes I love to, you know, throw my arm around somebody's shoulder, but, but at work, if you touch me, it's the most uncomfortable thing in the world. And I think it's because I don't particularly care to know your story. (laughs) Like, like the coworker, the relationship for me is very, like I have real hard lines. around Yeah. It's, I work with actors, which I love actors, but gosh, those lines get blurred so fast. Mm. It's like the, not a lot of people like at work cross the kind of boundaries that we cross, but it's almost like on a daily basis where we have to like check ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's how those showmances happen, right? Showmance. Mm. I like that word. Um, <laughs> now I just wish I could go back to college. I know, right? Mm. It's magical. Yeah. I don't work with the actors, but I do work at a theater. So Okay. Yeah, it's it's yeah. It's a fun world. Okay. Um mm-hmm. so a little I I'm a program coordinator in the School of Medicine at UCSD and we put on these I call them events. They're like simulated events for the medical students where the primary goal is to help their communication skills. Mm-hmm. And so we train actors to be oh, patients. Wow. Yeah. And my fun. Yeah, it's so random that my role is the stage manager, essentially. So I'm like in this control room with these big screens. I have the headset and the <laughs> microphone. And I'm the one who's like, oh, shit, Bob's wandering again. Like, yeah. get him back in here. <laughs> the In each exam room, we have like 18 of them. There's this setting on the cameras. It's like a privacy mode. So when the actors are changing in and out of their gowns, they can put it on privacy mode pretty much every male actor over the age of 55 has no interest in privacy. Right. I've seen so much <laughs> white underwear. I just. <laughs> so, so many... with privacy. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's like, oh. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I no, that's not great. It's, I mean, it's comical. <laughs> yeah. But... It's funny, but. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Boy, okay, so let's dive into what we're religion. Yeah, let's let's talk about it. Let's do it. Um, So, what what was your um, what was your upbringing like, especially as it relates to religion or spirituality or lack thereof? What what did that look like for you? 
All right. Well, um, so my mom was raised Catholic and my dad was raised um, Reformed Jewish, Judaism, I never know which one to say, in uh, New York. He's like a New York Jew. Right, right. And um, so when I, like, in, when I was growing up, we, most of my mom's family is the one that was in California that we spent all of our time with. So we celebrated Christmas and Easter more from, like, a get-together family tradition type place, but I didn't go to church. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did go to... Sunday school and temple for um, we went to this temple at Shalom in Poway and it's a reform Judaism temple. And I was there from like whatever age you are at third grade level um, on through my confirmation. Okay. And uh, what, um, so, Okay, you say Sunday school, mm. but that was Sunday school at the temple, not... Yes, okay. right, yeah. Cool, so, cool, cool. I just want to make, yeah, make yeah. sure. We, uh, we went to... <clears throat> we had Tuesday evening school and then Sunday morning school. And then uh, we went to Friday night services and then sometimes like Saturday morning services. Wow. Yeah. So then, yeah. I, a oh, fair wow. amount, yeah. Yeah, and we were pretty involved. Like I, my grandma, you know, she did was a volunteer in like the gift shop and mm-hmm. my dad did the crossing guard and my mom was like the cookie. My mom was like, she identifies as like Jewish uh-huh. and <laughs> parents are, they got divorced, but then she married another Jewish man. So, okay. gotcha. um, and I think that it's, I feel like just recently I've really reflected on how, grateful I am for the particular, uh, upbringing, religious upbringing that I had, because, uh, I looking back, I see it's very woman dominated. Mm. All of my Mm. teachers were women and, Mm. uh, the rabbi was a woman, which is, was, it wasn't common back then. I still don't feel like it's that, you know, it's like kind of still working its way. Well, yeah. Excuse my ignorance, but when I hear the word reformed, I, I I mean, for me, when I think reformed in Christian traditions, I Mm -hmm. think, you know, like there would not be a lot of female leadership in those traditions in Christianity. So it's, it's interesting that a reformed Jewish tradition did have. Yeah. So in Judaism, there's uh, Orthodox conservative and reform. Okay. And so Orthodox mm-hmm. is, you know, they follow the Torah, the laws of the Torah. They follow the traditions to the word. Conservatives, right. I honestly, I bear, that's like, I'm the most unfamiliar mm-hmm. about kind of what their shtick is. And then Reform Judaism is like, we like these, to learn these traditions, we can honor them, but as they apply to changing worlds, mm-hmm. um, And I think it like really impacted like how I, like why I'm such an open, caring person, because like I said, the main rabbi was a woman and the other rabbi, they kind of like a secondary rabbi was a woman and she was a lesbian Wow! and openly. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking like, it never occurred to me back then that that was anything different. Like, oh, she was just a lesbian. Yeah. What a great way to grow up that must be. Yeah. (laughs) I just can't, like, I truly can't imagine. Yeah. It's to have that normalized at a young age. Yeah. It's, and then the cantor, which is the person who leads Mm -hmm. all the songs. Yeah. She also was a woman. Yay. Yeah. Women all Mm. around. 
Wow. You missed out, Karen. I want to go. Yeah. You and see that's okay. So that's the other thing is like, I have this favorite story that I like to tell people is that um, for me, kind of what made me kind of feel like, okay, I'm in a good place. I'm in a safe place in terms of religion was, so you have a bar bat mitzvah when you are 13 Mm -hmm. bars for boys, bat is for girls. And then like a year or so down the line, you make the decision to get confirmed. Okay. So bar and bat mitzvah is like, basically the ceremony is your declaration that I am this adult woman or adult man in the Jewish world. Mm. And I will be treated as such, which follows with like, you take on a responsibility. Like you're, you have to become a teacher's assistant at the Sunday school. This is like a madracha. And Mm. um, you, you take on responsibilities. And then you go to like this different kind of schooling where you kind of learn more of the heavy duty stuff and you decide, do I want to get confirmed in this religion? And Mm. was this one boy that was in my class that he was like, I don't really know. Like, honestly, like, I kind of feel like I've just like done this all the way up to this point. And now I'm kind of gaining some autonomy and I don't know if this is right for me. And the rabbi, and that's the other cool part is like the confirmation classes are taught by the rabbi. Mm. And, um, she was like, well, you're welcome to attend these classes, but you by no means have to get confirmed by the end of it. And I was like, Mm. okay, that is so amazing. The open Mm. mind, like, and that just was kind of the environment that this temple was based in. That is Mm. awesome. Yeah. Super awesome. I mean, did you have anything like coming of age kind of um, traditions or, you know, um, in your in your tradition no not there's not a lot of i mean i feel like most of in my tradition most of the ritual anything that would have to do with ritual was kind of replaced with potluck you know what i mean like that was did you say was, potluck pot, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> instead, of, instead of doing any sort of like official ritual or or um, anything kind of serious, it was like, let's just get together and fellowship, you know? Mm-hmm. So there was never, there was never like a, I don't know. Like I think of all of the different things in growing up that you would intentionally ritualize. And like, there was not really any sort of formal, I had my 16th birthday party in the multi-purpose room at our church. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Multi-purpose. Uh, you know, purpose. No, <laughs> just like keep going until you get married. And then that's your big thing is getting married. That's when you get to have your big party, right? Mm. So Yeah, that's true. I feel like Jesus is pretty big on the milestones. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of traditions that are. Christianity is not one of them, actually. That Mm-mm. at least, you know, evangelical Christianity that you and I are familiar with, Karen, like, not, I mean, we had, so we had a very informal, um, I remember I was under the age of 12 one Sunday when all of the all the kids, all the people under the age of 12 were asked to leave so that the adults could talk about something. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So we're, of course we're like, I was probably Mm. like 11 too. Like I was real, I was real close to it. You were close. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, Oh, what's going on? So of course we're all back there. Like what's going on? And I tried to talk to my mom about it. She wouldn't tell me at first. She, she did tell me, I think not too, too much long, longer after that. Um, But it was, what what had happened was one of uh, 
one of the teenagers had gotten pregnant. And so they needed to discuss as a church, like, or make, I don't know. I don't know what was said. I actually don't know because I was not in the room. Um, So, uh, so there was this um, age of 12 kind of age of accountability informal. Again, there was nothing like Mm -hmm. written down about this, but it, it, I saw it come to play multiple times. I mean, um, for me, it was, that was when I got baptized and that was when I was encouraged to be baptized because I'm 12 now. Mm. Jesus was 12 when he went uh, into the temple to teach. Yeah. That was, that's like the one story from Jesus's childhood that's in the gospels is, um, uh, he, 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 he's, he, he doesn't, tra- he, the family, the Holy Family's there for a Passover festival, right? Is that what it is, Karen? I think so. Something I think, like that. I think, I think yeah. they're, um, in, the potluck. <laughs> yeah, in Jerusalem or yeah, in Jerusalem for the Passover festival for a potluck. And then everybody leaves and like Mary and Joseph are halfway home before they realize Jesus isn't oh, with them. Oh, oh, it's like oh, home no. alone, lost in Jerusalem. Yeah, been there. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and so they go back and they find him sitting in the temple teaching like oh. the rabbis, teaching teaching the, the people who are supposed to be teaching him. So that, Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. So that, that's oh. this like, for, at least in my tradition, it was this unspoken, kind of spoken informal age of accountability. And hmm. uh, so a lot of us were baptized at 12. A lot of us took on similar, you know, took on new responsibilities, that kind of thing. So Judaism, it's like, I mean, it's written and it's 13 and it's interesting because the, the whole structure of a bar bat mitzvah is, and I love when you like watch MTV, like bar bat mitzvah and it's like, oh, that's a party, which the party is real. But (laughs) I remember it being a huge shift in my life for one bad bad but like I had to go on a diet so I could fit in a dress and I had to quit cheerleading because I had to meet with the tutor once a week oh wow and um for like months and the whole actual like Saturday morning service is you are leading the congregation so you're teaching the congregation in a way wow and um thankfully because there's just so many people that were in the congregation like they partner you up with somebody. So it's like mm. you kind of partner lead this. Um, but I remember my biggest fear was that, and I had like my prayer book and could write notes in it. And it was like, you have to ask people to stand for a prayer. And I kept forgetting to tell people to sit like during my practice sessions. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I'm going to make them stand for my whole ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but the pressure, the, uh, the more and more I think, back I kind of wish that like I was more interested in it when it was happening because training is pretty extensive and um you you know you learn how to lead a a congregation through the services and then you have to learn like I learned pretty young how to read Hebrew but in the Torah there's no vowels Mm -hmm. and um, that just changes everything and so you basically have to kind of like memorize your Torah portion. Wow. And it isn't until the day you have your bar bat mitzvah that you actually read it from the Torah, Mm. which is this like beastly thing that is really heavy (laughs) and adorned with a whole bunch of stuff. And they make these like awkward 13 year olds in heels. You have to like take the Mm. Torah and you carry it and you have to like, before you read it from it, you have to like walk around the 
whole, like you walk around like this, whatever circumference of the congregation and people are like lunging at you with their prayer books. So what they do is they like touch the prayer book and then they kiss it. And so it's like, they're wow. getting to kiss the tour because your hands are not supposed to like really touch it, touch um. certain parts of it. And this particular tour was like bur- buried during the Holocaust to preserve it. And wow. I didn't wear heels when I was 13 and under. So I was so nervous. Yeah. But um, it's, it was like, now I'm like, man, that was a cool, one of the cooler, cooler experiences in my life. Yeah. What a, yeah, that's an, an, an intense, like, you're not going to forget that, that ritual, no. you know, like it is designed to be a moment yeah and you have to use this like gold pointer i always remember the gold pointer that you have to use because you don't want to lose your place Mm. as you're reading yeah and uh then they like i I feel like no one told like they tell you like you're not to read from the torah you're having this this and this you have to also like write a speech about your torah portion they Mm -hmm. did not tell you that then you have this hoff torah portion portion which (laughs) is like hebrew written in cursive with different vowels and you have to sing it oh wow like, oh cool trying to give me like just a mental breakdown at 13 yeah that's yeah. so much but it's, it's it is really rewarding when you do it yeah you, i mean you really tra- they really train you like tutor you so my the extent of my well, like you said, it might, the extent of my knowledge comes from what I see in TV. <laughs> and the thing that's rising Maybe. to the forefront right now is a Vanessa Bayer's Bar Mitzvah Boy uh, from SNL. Did you, did you ever see that sketch? Yes, she's yes. She's so, so good at that. It's amazing. <laughs> ja- I think Jacob is the Bar Jacob Boy. with her, like, it has, like, the New York, like, something on the yeah. uh, yarmulke. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, so mm. that's, that's just really sad, though, that, I mean... I don't. That's just sad that I don't know what what's really going on there. Well, I mean, like the ceremonies in the morning, and then there's like a break in the day, and then you go and you party hard at night. Yeah, and party. Walked out. The party's real. Yeah. Like, oh, you left your party. Party. Like, no, I mean, I walked into the party, like an oh. entrance to get the party oh. started by Pink. It's like, oh, no. yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like a debutante, like entrance, yeah, it's like. kind of weird. Yeah, you get like a nice dress. Which and... song? Which Pink song? The party started oh, yeah. on us. Um, I went to I went to one bat mitzvah and two bar mitzvahs. Nice. That were friends of mine when I was thirteen, and so that was cool. But it was interesting, like as an outsider watching that mm-hmm. ceremony, like it was intense, and like there were a lot of people there. Like, it was <laughs> it was a room full of people. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting for me to, because again, like we didn't really have much of in the way of like that kind of ritual was, you know, there wasn't a lot of liturgy in my church growing up to, to begin with. Like we didn't do a lot of in like liturgical practice or anything like that. We didn't have a benediction. We didn't have any of, you know, like it was just very contemporary. <laughs> it was very contemporary. So I was super like the romantic 13 year old and he was super enamored with the ceremony of the whole thing and like the ancient text aspect of it, you know, and just the, it felt very formal and cool. And then, um, you guys had fun parties. So that was cool too. I think that's awesome that you went to the (laughs) ceremony. Cause I remember when I sent out my invitations to like all my friends in school, it was like, 
you don't have to get, you don't have to sit through the ceremony. You can just show up to the party. And I was very pleasantly and also nervously surprised that like a lot of people did come to the ceremony itself. Uh. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's interesting. I feel like, like the, maybe it's the Jewish way of like, there are through even just that one ceremony, there's so many big moments. Like you get a tali, which is that thing that looks kind of like a shawl Mm -hmm. and you get blessed with one. And it's not mm-hmm. really yours. It's like typically your grandparents, like if it was my grandfather's. And then later mm-hmm. on, you're supposed to be kind of like gifted your first Talit. So my grandma mm-hmm. got mine and it's gorgeous. Wow. She knew me mm-hmm. like kind of eclectic and different. And I like mm-hmm. look at it all the time because I was like, oh my gosh, I don't really want to wear it, but I just want to look at it. Wow. Yeah, I love that. I love that very much. Yeah, that's that's really cool. So what does that, um, how have you, what role has that, has, has your upbringing, your Jewish upbringing continued to play or not play? And, and yeah. you, so you said you attended until confirmation. Mm-hmm. And, and I was confirmed and then. Kind and of that's like, around age 14? Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. And there's, I don't really know what went on this like certain period of time, but then when I was in college, kind of unintentionally, like I, I remember freshman orientation, they did the, that exercise where we're, everyone's like standing around this gymnasium. And it's like, if you are a Sagittarius, like step into the circle. So it's like kind of helping you like identify mm-hmm. similarities yeah. in me and this <clears throat> one other guy named Josh stepped into the circle when they said, do you celebrate Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish new year. Yeah. And it happened to be that him and I were both creative writing majors. So like we Hmm. became friends that day and stayed friends. And I went to his family's Passover and everything like that when I was in college and my roommates were Jewish. And, but I feel like it was kind of more of the community that I was still connecting with, not really the religion and what that even meant to me. I certainly think I went through this uh, period of time where I was kind of a, I don't know if resentful is the right word, but maybe jealous. There, you know, I had people that I knew really identified with a religion or spirituality, mm. or it was a part of kind of their daily life. And I like shunned it almost because I couldn't quite understand it or feel it. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of changing a little bit for me recently. But wow. Yeah. yeah. Man, it is um it's just, it is just wild how all consuming, um, sorry, I couldn't see, um, how all consuming religion is for, I guess, certain types of religion. Um, cause I do know like Catholics who, mm. who grew up, grew up and, and said that it wasn't like that. It was kind of just this accessory to their, their upbringing. Right. Um, but there's also Catholicism that can be completely immersive, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, right. Uh, we have, we call them, or at least <laughs> in my community growing up, <clears throat> we called people who only came to church on Christmas and Easter, cheesters, you know? Cheesters. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, um, and then there's just degrees to which you can, you know, dip your toe in or dive yeah. in. And it's just always interesting to hear people's experiences as it relates to 
Yeah, for me, what kind of changed things was uh, when I was 23. So between the ages of age of 18 to 26, I believe it is, you can go on your birthright trip to Israel, Mm. which it really is Mm. how it's advertised. It's free. All you have to do is get yourself to now I think they actually have an you can leave from LA, but like I had to buy my ticket to New York. And from mm. New York, JFK, we left to Israel. And then if you want to buy like trinkets and stuff like that or whatever, you have to have money. Um, but so you're put up, you're fed. Yeah, fed. But by who? By your synagogue? By So it depends. There's like so many different kind of things that are sponsoring you. Um, and mm. like I did one called Kesher, which is just kind of the most popular reform Judaism thing that puts people over into Israel. And I don't know if you watch. Also one of my favorite artists. I love that Kesher. Kesher She's is so great. great. <laughs> she will take you to Israel. <laughs> <laughs> what a trip that would be. <laughs> oh my, that would be actually pretty awesome. Honestly. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. Do you guys watch broad? <laughs> by any I've chance? seen a couple episodes, but no, I don't watch it. Okay. There is a birthright trip. Oh, is there? Episode. And. Oh, fun. It, it is interesting because so you go over there, you get in a group of, I think it was like 40 Americans and which is kind of cool. Cause you meet a bunch of people from all over the United States, but there are right. 20 boys, and 20 girls. Oh. And the idea is uh-huh. that you meet someone and you stay in Israel and you develop Israel. Like you live in Israel. That's, you know, and a lot of people do, they stay there for a couple huh. years after. And for real? For real. Wow. And for me, yeah. At 23, it was kind of a trip because uh, me and this one girl, like, we really, like, identify with each other. Um, Where, for a moment, it was kind of like going back in high school where everyone was, like, hooking up with each other all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And we were just kind of like, what's going on? What is this? And we're here for, like, Judaism and all this kind of stuff. But um, when I – it's a – it's. 10 days and they're packed. I mean, you are doing something from the minute you land to the minute you leave. Mm. And uh, I just had this different feeling when I was there. Like I really felt a sense of belonging that I've never felt Mm. in America, even though I was born here. And Mm. um, Shabbat typically on Fridays, uh, the idea is that you don't, I think it's Fridays, right? Fridays or Saturdays. It's like, you're not supposed to work at all. You're not supposed right. to lift a finger mm. and they, in Israel, they kind of do honor more orthodox rules. So they quite, it's like everyone, we went to the market the day before Shabbat because you have to stock up, you have to buy stuff because no one is going to be open the next day. And it's so peaceful. Like it's so weird. I had this feeling where in the morning I came out and I felt like, I think we were in, Tel Aviv at the time and it was like I felt like everyone across Israel was all just on the same level of like quiet Mm -hmm. Um, and so it kind of introduced to me like you said there's different ways of dipping your toe in it's like maybe there's parts of like the God thing I I grapple with that a lot I really just don't know I'm very curious but I just don't know but the identifying as like a Jew and identifying with like Israel, that's where I feel my connection. Wow. Mm. That's fascinating stuff. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, cool. Sorry. 
Oh, I just said that's so cool. I just oh. like it. I'm just imagining your whole trip now. I'm off now in Israel in my mind. Just You would love um, this place, which is my favorite place that I want to go back to. It's called Spot. It's spelled T-F-A-T. And it's like the artist capital of Israel. And it's just like cobblestone corridor type things. Everything's kind of that almost like Greek blue. Yeah. There's cats everywhere. And everything's so colorful and... The whole vibe, they're kind of like the Kabbalists typically live okay. there. So it's got this whole kind of like mystical ideal to it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I was in um, Morocco last fall and I was in uh, Shefshawin, which is yeah. the blue city. And it's blue yeah. because uh, Jewish refugees were there and they painted the city blue. Mm. But it's funny because it's, it's all blue and there are cats everywhere and yeah. it's very peaceful and quiet <laughs> it's just very similar I'm like oh yeah it's been, and it's not the same place but yeah that's yeah. so funny um yeah but it's um there's something about like to especially when it's places that you've heard about your whole life when they're places that yeah. have been significant your whole life I mean here over here we've got all of the developments that we deal with the buildings that we deal with are still relatively young right like the land obviously has yeah. been for a while and there's a whole history, but it's not our history, right? That's on this land. Like our, it's relatively, we're just relatively new here. And the buildings that we've built are all only a couple hundred years old max, nice. you know, like it doesn't, they don't get that old. And so there's something I think that's just so overwhelming and cool mm-hmm. and connected to just stand somewhere or stand in a building and just yeah thousands of years like Mm -hmm. this has been here and just the the gravity of that I think is so cool and I love I love that there's such a formalized way to make sure that people get to have that experience like yeah even if it sounds a little bit like a timeshare spiel where they're like I'm pretending (laughs) stay for five years (laughs) But still, like, I love that that's something that's prioritized and, like, made accessible yes. to people who want to go. That's cool. That's super cool. Yeah, it was it was super fun. And it's interesting because my boyfriend, he, um, he was, like, his mom is from India and his dad's from Germany. And they, he wasn't really raised in any kind of specific religion. But him and his brother actually kind of got into sought out like Christianity to a certain stage and like he was like a youth group leader and then he also learned like how to read Hebrew and he kind of got into Tibetan Buddhism so he's kind of like you know really explored a lot of places but he actually Mm -hmm. went to Israel on a very similar trip of mine as mine but from a Christian like sponsors Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and I was like whoa I'm like so curious as to that where the differences lied and yeah 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 that's there's this like very um real at least in my experience growing up there was a very real reverence um for where our faith came from and and Mm. all of the 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 jewish tradition and the jewish roots that birthed christianity um i mean jesus was not raised in a Christian home. He was mm-hmm. raised in a Jewish home. So um, my papa, especially, he had, I, he had two like real big like passions, obsessions, uh, and they were World War II and <laughs> Judaism. Oh, <laughs> and so he, he, he and my mama went on their own. They, I mean, they were, they were much older. They, they, I mean, I was a teenager probably when they went, but they did 
the, the Holy Land tour, which yeah. those get marketed to like evangelical churches yeah. as well, like all yeah. the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, tour groups that are specifically like, go learn about your Christian faith in the Holy yes. Land. Um, so there's, <clears throat> well, and of course, I mean, the Holy Land is holy to uh, Islam as well. So right. it's just like, well, there's like, yeah, there's the four, there's like the four quarters or whatever. There's like the Jewish quarter, mm. the Islamic quarter, <coughs> there's a the Christian quarter, I think. But, um, and it, this is just where I come from. But like, for me, I found it kind of marvelous that Israel being such a tiny country, I feel mm-hmm. like there is room and space for all of the religions to consider it their holy land, mm. you know? And I know that's, mm. I don't really, I'm honestly, like, I wouldn't even want to, like, dip into the geopolitical that. stuff. Yeah, because it's, like, it's still kind of, unfortunately, a little bit yeah. unfamiliar to me because it's very intimidating to me. But um, yeah. with, at least my upbringing was from a very non-judgmental place. And I, a lot, of, when I was younger, like, middle school, I had a couple of friends that were didn't really stay friends because they really tried to kind of convert me to Christianity and their religion. And I was kind of like, so befuddled by that because Jews just want to be, this is my opinion. Jews just want to be Jews. Like we Mm. just, we've been persecuted. We just want to read our freaking Torah and like Mm. learn and, um, like if we want to have these values and we don't like that people treat us differently or judge us, then we wouldn't do it to someone else. I think that's comes a lot from my dad. Like that's how my dad raised us. So Mm. um, I like, I think that's what moved me a lot about Israel is that it's like identified it as a Jew being there, but I was like, this is a holy land. This Mm. is like a place where a lot of people can go and find the connection. Yeah. Mm. You touched on kind of your thoughts on God now, but could we go into more about that? So like gr- yeah. growing up, um, I get, you, you know, you, you felt like it was much more about identifying with the culture of Judaism as opposed right. to having like, for us, we always like evangelicalism is you have a pers- personal relationship with Jesus. Like that's, okay. that's the oh, language it's all couched in. Like you pray to Jesus mm-hmm. and you talk, like it's very much a, uh, yeah, it's a one-on-one, like you and the guy upstairs. Like, um, right. so there's a lot right. of pressure. It's to... not a religion; it's a relationship. Yeah, it's a actually, relationship. yeah. If I had a quarter mm-hmm. for the number of times my mom has said that. Um, <laughs> 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 but uh, so, what? What's your like personal spirituality? What is mm-hmm. that? I guess I answer this any way you want, where you've been, where you're at, where you, I, I don't know what that journey has looked like. For yeah. You. So then that's, you saying that is so interesting. Cause I kind of was like, one of the things I've been curious and ob- observing and just trying to figure out is like, why don't I pray? Like, how is it, why is it so hard for me to pray? And I yeah. think it's because hmm. who am I praying to? But, hmm. um, I guess 
now I've kind of developed this connection with, I'm very connected to nature. And so it's like in my way of praying, like recently I had this just really, I was going through a really tough time and I was kind of like asking something bigger than me to help me. And I wrote Mm. this, I just kind of wrote this symbol out in the sand Mm. and then I watched the water wash it away. And that kind of felt like a prayer for me. It's so weird. I'm all of a sudden getting kind of choked up. Oh yeah. my gosh. But mm-hmm. um, so that I think the water and nature and I, I always hesitate to say like the universe because it just seems too big in general to me in terms of how I actually feel connected to it. Right. Um, but I've had these moments in my life where I've had to kind of surrender to something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And felt less alone in that moment. So mm. I, I, I don't know how to define it, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, that's totally fine. <laughs> I mean, I think you that's... You fit right in. Yep. So much of what, <laughs> so much of what we <laughs> dance around in these conversations is trying Spiritual to... Spiritual talk for the godless. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, <laughs> that's, that's like true. That really was the best way I could figure out how to couch these conversations because it's mm. like... I want to talk about all this stuff. It matters to me. I have feelings about it. I have my own experiences that I I would call spiritual experiences, but yeah, that, that God embodied in Jesus. um, It just, it's not, yeah, it's not that I never had that personal relationship. And, um, sorry, I gotta say this. I, that's why like your podcast and I'm not just like trying to interview kudos (laughs) is really awesome because that was what sparked my interest was like, I never realized that I was like itching to have a conversation about this without Mm. feeling like I had to kind of guard myself. And I recently had a really good conversation with a really close friend where we just kind of like talked about religion. And at one point she goes, she kept like apologizing before she would say something. I go, let's make a pact here now that we are best friends. We don't have to apologize. Mm. No one else hears us. And you know, we've known each other long enough to know where we're kind of coming from. And so let's like experiment with actually being able to just have a conversation openly. I love that. I mean, I feel like that's exactly what we want to do here, except for yes, people can definitely hear us. (laughs) (laughs) But it's very much, uh, yeah, it's meant to be this safe space to unpack beliefs we had maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, beliefs we were curious about other people having, um, beliefs we no longer have, and and really just figure out what it is that what is what's compelling because mm, for so many of us, yeah, for so many of us, it's, there's there's no there's not an escape route that's like a clean cut, mm-hmm. you know. Like for me, like cr- the Christian myth is still so powerful in my even in just how I think and interpret the world and interpret the actions of other people. Like it's just there and I can't, you know, it's like, can't scoop it all out. (laughs) It's just, it's rooted. Do you feel like a part of you also doesn't necessarily want to completely, because it's not black and white. Like maybe you don't want to get completely rid of it because it's a part of your identity. It's your upbringing. Nowadays, I would definitely say that there was a good like decade when I was just like, (laughs) wanted nothing more than to like, yeah, cut ties. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. 
but uh, that's I think part of why it's so interesting to hear your story too, and like mm-hmm. the kind of the some of the points of pride you have in that mm-hmm. upbringing and in, in the that connection to the history of the Jewish people. Like that's really cool, and yeah. and I think I'm getting to a point where some of the traditions. I mean, I even think about as you were talking about going to the Holy Land. I think about my high school trip to France mm. <laughs> when I got to like mm. walk through Chartres Cathedral and some of those really old, beautiful churches yeah. and think about the people who worshiped there centuries yeah. ago and, and, and be like, okay, yeah, like that's a tradition I'm a part of in some way, shape or form. I may not believe the same things. I may have all kinds of my own doubts around it, but I'm doing this thing that people have been doing for a long ass time. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know, there's something, there's something in there. I, I, I refuse to call myself an atheist because for a couple of reasons, I don't, I don't particularly like, especially like the online atheist community is just really like militant and uh, aggressive and yeah. which like should fit with my personality really well. But um, I just see, I see in a lot of, uh, people who are very like firm in their atheism. I see a lot of the same traits that I see saw growing up in people who like are strong willed about their Christianity and right. like, be any other way. So I just don't yeah. like that. I don't, I, you know, I like gray areas, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm all about the gray area. Yeah. 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 So, uh, and, 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 I also don't like to use that word atheist because I just don't know. Like, how could I possibly know? I mean, on one level you you can say i know what i know because of like (laughs) i know what i know because of what i know like that that, that doesn't make sense but i think what i'm trying to say (laughs) is um i think a lot of people go by what we can um measure right in some way shape or form with our senses with data uh, scientifically whatever and so like in that sense I'm like totally on board with, yeah, there's no God that there's like the God you're talking about. No, that's not, that's not here. That's not part of our experience in this world. There's something. But I have this thing. Like, yeah. Oh, that's like, uh, it's so funny because my boyfriend's like, don't, don't talk about me too much on this podcast because I do talk about (laughs) it. Hi, boyfriend. Sorry, boyfriend. (laughs) That's one of the things that really attracted me to him because he is, you know, a software engineer, very legit, like he, I am the emotion to his logic and he's all about the data, but he also has felt compelled to explore religion Mm. all throughout his life. And he kind of jokes, he's like, I feel kind of like my religion's coming. Like, it's like, he's about to have like another kind of religious immersion again. And (laughs) he certainly sees it. There's a revival coming. Yeah, Yeah, revival. Uh, The big tent revival's coming through town. Because it's kind of a gray area. Yeah. You can believe in the data and then there can be this kind of other thing. And I actually am like, so I am only recently trying to familiarize myself with like when someone identifies as an atheist or um, what's the other agnostic agnostic. Mm-hmm. I I'm ignorant to that. I have no idea what those mean. Yeah. I mean, I think mm-hmm. at, at the, most basic level atheist is I don't, I believe that there is, I, I actively believe there's not a God. Okay. Like that's the, the choice of the atheist and the agnostic just like kind of is the shrug. The shrug. Could be, could not be, don't oh. know. Okay. Um, this is, this is where like once somebody handed me mysticism 
as a term and as an identity. I was just like, oh. thank God for that. And everybody, yeah. like, you could tack it on to anything. Like, there are Catholic mystics mm. and Jewish mystics and yeah. just that, um, just a, a name for enjoying living in the question and not feeling particularly, Ooh, not feeling particularly, like, urgent about answering the question like maybe the question is sort of better than the answer yeah i feel like i want you to write that down and like (laughs) i call myself i call myself a pantheistic mystic which i just stole from science mike we address this frequently but it's true that's been a little helpful for me like just knowing that that was the thing because for me like a lot of this stuff i mean it's the same thing i spent the vast majority of my life learning everything about this, you know, like that was my main point of study for so long. And we talked about this recently. I just, I had a conversation with a friend while I was in Morocco. My girlfriend who was there was like, you just tell me about Jesus. And she just grew up an atheist. She just didn't go to church and she is not religious. And she, she's like, tell me about Jesus, but not in a, like, I want to know Jesus way, but just Mm -hmm. like, tell me, like, I don't know anything about, this story like I have a big he was born on Christmas and he died on Easter that's like all I know and I was Uh like well let me tell you about Jesus and like just telling it to her as a story without any evangelical tool (laughs) yeah with no motive no no pressure no anything just like here's a story that this thing I don't know whether or not it's true I don't know if it's literal or how much of it is literal or whatever and I frankly don't care in this moment because I think the story's still kind of cool it's a compelling story and that's been the interesting thing for me is i find it all so much more compelling now like i find the bible much more interesting mm. when it doesn't have to be yeah. 100% true when i'm not like oh god if this is not true everything is terrible yeah when yeah. it doesn't i don't know no it's fine it's just it does, it does, when it doesn't matter to me so much whether or not it's true i find it much easier to be interested in the story yeah. Do you feel like, okay, so because that sounds very similar to this conversation I recently had with a really close friend. And like, we're so close. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we know so much about each other, but like, we legit one Saturday just sat on her bed and talked. She um, was, I think she actually was like raised in the evangelical, like, that she she shared everything about her upbringing. She let me ask all the questions I wanted. And then we just swapped back and forth. Mm. and Mm -hmm. uh, I remember leaving that day feeling like fuck yeah like this is what it's like to be an adult like this is (laughs) what Mm. it's like to having a conversation to learn something to one also connect with somebody else by getting to like teach and learn teach and learn teach and learn oh yeah totally and like we came from very different like religious backgrounds but the fact was that we had these religious upbringings. That's what connects us ultimately. Right. We have this, like you said, this thing that just, it's kind of, you know, yeah. it really kind of dictates how you see the world and really such. Does. Yeah. It really does, man. Yeah. I want that written down too. Karen. Yes, so we'll, we'll, we'll pull that quote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great. I already forgot what I said, you guys, but 
Okay, I like it anyway. I probably I probably stole it all from science, Mike. I'm sorry, Mike. I just steal your stuff all the time. <laughs> it was beautiful. Fine. You should probably come on the podcast and then I won't steal your stuff anymore. Yeah, come on, science, Mike. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, boy, where to go from here? I know we want to. I know we want to get into talking about mental health and (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. perk up Um, and, and kind of how that plays into especially a spiritual upbringing. So Mm. um, I don't even know where to jump off from here. Do you have, is there any, where you want to launch from? Cause there's so much there. So, well, here, here's one thing. So we've talked to a lot of, a lot of different people throughout the course of, these conversations mm-hmm. about the ways that they are um, taking care of themselves okay, and, 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 you know, self-care and just really like investing in their, in their health and their mental mm-hmm. and emotional uh, health and how that can bleed into spiritual health, like whatever that means for individual people. So Absolutely. I mean, everything from therapy, which is something I have been doing for the first time in my life over the past year, Awesome. Um, yeah, it took me long, long enough, right? Um, um, to I, I, just all kinds of different practices. Actually, we've got some coming up that are going to be interesting too. But um, what what does uh, mental health mean to you, especially coming from a yeah, coming from where you came from? Yeah. So um, I mean, I certainly came from a, and I don't know if this is directly tied to like. Judaism or just my mom and dad's way, but it was so much the do not air your dirty laundry kind of thing. Hello. Welcome. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm the oldest, I'm the oldest girl. And from like day one, I snuggled into the role of a people pleaser Mm. and stifle it all down. And, um, which is so interesting now because I was like also the first person in my family who like now is like openly talking about mental health. It's like, I'm kind of educating my family on this subject. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I deal with depression and anxiety too. Um, but like recent, recently, what really kind of, I had a really, it's just been a really tough year of being in this depression that I could kind of see coming over my shoulder mm. and being like, that's all right. Like I've been here before. I, I know, you know, this might be just like depression light or something. Yeah. And it, it, the f- interesting, if you want to look at it in a curious observatory way is like things like eating disorders, depression, substance abuse, they, they like to dress up in a lot of different costumes. Mm. They've got a whole mm. full of costumes in there at their disposal. Yeah. And so it can be really sneaky. And um, so I, there's just, I really connected to needing some kind of consistency in my life. Like even at the smallest mm. step, you know, like someone's like, maybe you wake up at the same time every day and that kind of helps you start to dig your way out. Yeah. So, right. I don't know a lot about any other religions, so I kind of leaned back into Judaism and like there's a morning prayer called the Modeani, which is just this like prayer that is like you're thanking kind of this higher being for restoring your spirit, your light back to you for another mm-hmm. day. 
even if you might not deserve it, even mm. if like you kind of ran wild the day before. And it's it just for me, it speaks of a lot of forgiving that I wasn't able to offer myself. And so that's kind of what I meant where it's like I felt something else there. It's like, okay, like I kind of don't know how to forgive myself right now. I kind of want to. I know that I should. But here's this mm. other something um, and so I started saying it every morning and it felt really weird at first because yeah. it was kind of just like reading off of a paper. But right. uh, now sometimes like I will really pause and be like, remember what this is meaning, remember what you're saying. And it's helped me a lot that I is... get out of my depression. Mure ani lefanecha, mele ha vekayam, shechechizarta bi nishmati behemla raba emunatecha. really intrigued by that because I'm of course seeing it through my filter and my lens mm. and thinking about the forgiveness of sins through Jesus's right. you know the atonement on the cross that's all part of how you be a Christian and thinking about um that inability mm. to forgive ourselves mm-hmm. and how having someone else who can do that for us yeah is like a really potentially like valid way to yes. self forgiveness as well. Like, yes, mm-hmm. like a big major step in a good direction. And that's why I'm like a huge advocate of group therapy because, and I know it's, I, I think this is kind of what <clears throat> goes on in like AA meetings and NA meetings too. It's like you're in this environment. And so it's like, if you're having a really hard time and you really can't help yourself, you can either ask where people can like kind of offer to like support you. And even if that is merely saying like, I I'm here for you or I'm in your corner. It's so interesting to me to see how that changes somebody's just demeanor, like their posture changes and color goes back into their cheeks. Mm. And I witness it just Mm. today in this group therapy. It's just like over the course of, you know, this one gentleman was talking and he looks so tired and exhausted and he's got a lot of family stuff going on. And it's just, you could, I'm very empathic. And so it's like, I just felt how much weight he was carrying and everyone's contributing and listening. And by the end of it, like his posture was different. His, he actually had a a slight smile and like almost like a hopefulness Mm -hmm. about him. And that's all in the matter of like 10 minutes of therapy. Wow. Yeah. And it's group therapy. I think group therapy, yeah, group therapy, like, especially for anxiety, I feel like can be 
Cause it, I mean, cause all anxiety, anxiety is, is the looping of the unreliable narrator, right? It's the word up the, girl. Yes. The getting stuck in the like, <laughs> let's just loop this story again and again and again. And sometimes like, it's really simple for somebody to just interrupt that story and call bullshit. And a lot of times right. that's all it takes to break that cycle. Like the, so one of the more powerful things that you can do with an anxiety spiral is just speak it out into the world and say, this is the thing that I'm thinking and have somebody yeah. else be like, Oh, that thing is wrong. Like, you know, like, yes. Oh, Sorry. allow me to, uh, I, I think that you hate me. Oh, I do not hate you. And then like, suddenly that that's all it takes, but we get really caught up in like, Oh, I've got to fix this myself. I've got to, you know, do the whole thing. And um, yeah. So I think like a group therapy, a group therapy setting for that. Like it's amazing how, simple it is really and how yeah. easily we can solder some of that work for each other how simple it becomes yeah. when it's just like yeah you've been looping on this for four days cool let me say one thing to you yeah exactly hey <laughs> you know hey yeah wow I mean just we 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 just missed the boat on that so much and by we I'm talking about my religion my my religious upbringing yeah. that's just because it's almost the opposite it's like almost come together I've talked about what my church was like on this podcast it's like come together to remember it in the name of remembering Jesus' sacrifice but it's Jesus had to die because we're awful like Ooh. we suck we're bad thank god we have Jesus because otherwise we're we're fucked we're screwed um and it's just kind of our our main service on Sundays was an hour of kind of wallowing in that space of, I mean, they would never call it self-hate or self-resentment, but that's what it is. That is. Well, I can see that like the self-talk as a young person, like that's where it starts to develop where, man, that's heavy. It's, it's super heavy and it's such a freaking, that's why it's kind of just revolutionary for me, even in this moment, as you were talking about that forgiveness mantra, like, holy shit, Jesus could have been like a cool way for me to like love myself. Forgive myself, <laughs> yeah. Jesus, Jesus probably really likes you. Like, isn't that weird? Like Jesus probably yeah. is like, I think you're great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Jesus probably had that attitude. Um, but no, he's been twisted and contorted into this like being that um, it's just judgment. It's there for judgment. Yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all about the, the price we have to pay, the atonement we have to make for how awful we are. From the, start. Well, and even, From the start. And even if... Sin nature. Yeah. yeah. Oy. And Jesus loves you, but he doesn't necessarily love you because you're so lovable. He loves you because he's Jesus. Because he's you know, so good like, at, He's so good at loving. Because he's so good at loving that he can love. Oh, see, that's so. distorted too. Because yeah. it's like... Right. The idea that like when you're at your worst, you feel so unlovable. and Right. And you don't deserve to be loved, but Jesus will love you anyway He'll because he is, he is so good at loving. And like that flip of just being like, oh no, I don't deserve to be loved. And somebody just being like, no, you, you totally do. Actually, you're just yeah. lovable. Turns out a like multifaceted thing that, yeah. like for me, uh, this time around the group therapy helped me a lot. I had this moment where I, the first day of group therapy, I had been kind of, and I didn't really realize it, but operating this whole year under this 
belief that like I am broken, like I am broken. Mm -hmm. I was having a really hard time like remembering anything beyond that. And I sat in this group and I looked around at these people varying in age, both men and women, and not one of them did I actually see as broken. And I Mm. really was like, girl, you're smarter than this. You're a part of this group. Like you can't, you know, it's like, what would make you the exception to this rule? Right. And the love that I feel for these people that are just kind of going through a hard time in their life and they're doing something about it by being in a group therapy session. Yeah. And you are those people. I am those people. <laughs> what do you know? Isn't that funny when you like, extend the same grace to yourself oh. that you extend to other people, and then you're like, "Oh, oh, right, oh." oh. Okay. <laughs> that is so good. How did you get my group therapy? Um. So I I see a therapist. I really like my therapist. Kind of on that. I said, I, I seem to gravitate towards 70 year old women. Yeah, She's a 70 year old mm. woman. And on the first day we met, she goes, my parents live to like 97. So we're good. I'm, we're good. Very, I'm good up here. And You're I'm, fine for a while. Yeah. 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 Um, and That's so cute. she, I don't know, I guess it was something in like, we'd been seeing each other weekly for a couple months and she brought it up that, cause when I was at the eating disorder clinic, a part of the daily activities was what was known as process group, which was group therapy. And right. um, I'd never experienced anything like that up until that point. And she kind of was like, well, you know, sometimes just one-on-one therapy, it's great. And sometimes you need like almost like a supplement to it, or maybe you kind of evolve past one-on-one therapy and you can just kind of sustain yourself with group therapy um, but it's just like, I, I still feel like even the word therapy has like such a weird disproportionate weight to it. Cause for me, um, therapy, there's so many different kinds. Like mm. you could be going through like a loss or you could be grieving or something like that because you're living in Trump America. Like, yeah. so you need to see a therapist for a hot minute. Or you deal with kind of like a chronic mental illness that you want to maintain because you want to live in the world. And for me, and like I very soundly believe this, in no way is seeking a therapist a weakness because finding a therapist and actually getting a therapist is harder than it should be. And that's kind of like my, kind of like the fire in my belly is Mm. trying to figure out, I am a a sound person with a supportive background, I can't imagine what it's like for somebody who doesn't have people in their corner and they know they need therapy, but it requires phone trees, follow up insurance. So much. It's so, it's so discouraging. It took me till 35 and I've been, Mm -hmm. it's been, it's been on my to-do list for a decade. Yeah. I saw a therapist in college when I was 21 and then I'd been trying to find a therapist up until this December at 28 is when I found one. Yeah, it is crazy. And yeah, I'm like you, I'm like, I've got a job with benefits and I mean, I I know therapists like this should not be (laughs) right. Like my, I mean, part of it is definitely self-imposed. Like part of it is me and and my internal resistance and 
I find excuses to put it off, but. But it's hard, but that's, the, hard. that's the thing is about this specifically is that in those moments that you're like, I really need to therapy. I need to get a therapist. It's like, it's for me, like if I'm in a, a bad place, like I'm just avoiding everything. And the idea of calling someone back seems like pulling off a toenail. Yeah. Like it's so yeah. hard. And, um, I'm hoping a friend right now, like find a therapist <clears throat> and she's like a really resilient, strong woman. And she's so discouraged right now. And I mm. am battling between this, like one, I just kept reminding her, like, I'm like, we're going to get, we are going to figure this out. We'll like help you as much as we can. Like me, I'm a part of it too. If you want me to be a part of it, but um, it's like so discouraging because yeah. it even if even me like being like I'm not ashamed of depression or whatever I uh, it the shamies creep up yeah sure and someone doesn't mm-hmm. call me back and I go then what like I'm not worth the help or like you know the yeah. all the evil kind of pours back in yeah, so. yeah. boy I'm gonna pour myself somewhere yeah keep pouring I I think I, I'm at a, I I don't think I'm actually supposed to have wine on keto, <laughs> but whatever. Keto, you're Special doing it funky. <laughs> doing it my way. Do you do you like uh, Brussels sprouts? Keto. I like certain Brussels sprouts from like certain restaurants that do them the way mm, I like. They them. like kind of charbroil them. A <laughs> yeah, a little charbroil with some pancetta. Crispy. Yeah, crispy. Yes. And oil. Mm-hmm. Sure. Some balsamic maybe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oven roasted. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like broccoli alternatives. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, because the whole thing is not that we need to dive into the keto <laughs> diet in this podcast, but it's all, you know, no carbs. So yeah. Like even, you can't, like cauliflower is the thing you're supposed to eat. Just lots of cauliflower. And I hate cauliflower. Oh, no, that's, yeah. I feel like cauliflower is kind of one of those that's like either you kind of get into it or you can't. It's the worst. Yeah. Can you do like cauliflower rice if you put a bunch of other stuff on it, or does it still taste like cauliflower too? Yeah, that's the worst. Still tastes like cauliflower. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, we've done it's it. And I, I you never know. Like, you ate the broccoli. Yeah. You did it. Lots of garlic and butter, and yeah, we some broccoli, baby. <laughs> garlic. <laughs> <Ta-da>. <laughs> uh, oh, guys. This is good stuff. Um, mm. Yeah, so I'm now I'm interested in group therapy. I'm always interested in the thing we talk about on the episode. So like, <laughs> right? We like, no, like, I want to do group therapy. Now I need to. I need to do group therapy. My brother. Well, I it's like that's what I was just gonna say. It's like what your brother, brother was talking about. Sister. Yeah, like he had uh, circling is the thing he talked about mm-hmm. where people. It's a type of group therapy, I guess. Oh, but, okay. You know. I, I just want to keep trying. I just want to try all the things. Just super try curious. all the, that's the thing that was like really cool. Like there's uh, I don't know if you've heard of like cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical mm-hmm. behavioral therapy. Yeah. It's like yeah. evidence based scientific stuff. And I'm like, as my therapist and I have realized, I am like a pupil. Like I love mm. to take notes. I love to learn new things. So mm. It's just, and I love homework. <laughs> I love worksheets and CBT, cognitive behavior. It's all about the worksheets. And they're all about yeah. the, what do they call it, anagram? Or what is it? Like when it's like A, B, C, D. Oh, and ac- acrostic. Yeah, like they each stand for something. Yeah. 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 It's just, yeah. it's fascinating. And it's like, 
you don't, that's the whole thing is like, you don't have to be like suicidal for these things to actually be really like if they, this girl brought this up the other day, like if they start to integrate like cognitive behavioral and dialectical behavioral therapy into schooling, then Mm. you wouldn't be, it's kind of a cool, there are a lot of um, like 60 to 80 year old uh, vets and uh, yeah, vets in these group therapy groups. And it's kind of revolutionary to see older men in a therapy group opening up. Um, But it's like, maybe they didn't have to get to that place of really being at the very, very bottom. And if these, it's just techniques, it's just tools. Well, that's the thing. Like, ideally, we live in a world then where, like, when we're having these experiences, when we have group therapy experiences, when we read things, when we learn things, like, if we're doing community well, I mean, Mm. you know, if the goal is to transcend the Enneagram, then the goal, I would think, would be to, to be transcending group therapy and get to the point where we're actually just in relationship with each other that's healthy yes. and authentic enough that like what we're doing is group therapy you know Can like that, that down to shit. <laughs> <laughs> we record we record all this shit okay good okay, okay. Uh, but like seriously like I feel like I feel like most of what we do at Sojourn is a version of group therapy one way or another at least yeah. a lot of the stuff we do with women are like you and me and Kate Colby sitting around is group therapy you know like that a lot of it, a lot of these techniques, just the most of what therapy is, is stuff that we are perfectly capable of doing in conversation, the mirroring and the reflecting and the intentional listening. And then, you know, I mean, there's not much to it. It's really just like being present to people, hearing what they have to say and reflecting it back to them. That's sort of like most of it. And then you get into stuff that is more complicated that you then like, obviously I'm not by all means, if you are struggling, see a therapist i'm not yeah, yeah. trying to yeah. therapy and like there are certainly things that qualified professionals should handle but mm-hmm. we could be doing such a better job just in general word yes yeah just seeing each other and like we can do that we can do that all the time yeah that's i find it so interesting this past year despite its difficulties i feel like the in particular female friendships that i have have gotten so much deeper mm. And it's like, I think a big part of it is realizing that like there, it couldn't reach that depth if I didn't kind of go like, I am lost right now. And I don't really even know how you can help me beyond just kind of in that way of being my friend of like reminding me that I'm a lovable person when I'm at my worst. And also calling me on my shit and yeah yeah, not pretending like our friendship isn't that important that like you should say something when someone's struggling or yeah yeah Yeah, it's that we belong to each other we say that we say that in our spiritual community here in san diego we say I, i say that it's in a it's in a song on my new album that's coming out. Like I love that concept of ownership of that responsibility to Mm -hmm. one another. Um, Both both the seeing and the the calling out the good, the good. And then also, like you said, call calling each other on our shit. Yeah. I need that. I so need that. Well, yeah, that's the, um, 
the, I guess the structure of when I was at this clinic in college was that in the beginning of the morning, um, you would bring up like, is there anything that you want to talk about once we get to group therapy later in the day that you would like to be mm-hmm. held accountable for? And it is a challenge both for the person to kind of voice that like, okay, because once it comes out, then it's someone's probably going to hold you accountable for it. You can't yeah. keep it a secret anymore. And then it's also a challenge on these other people who are struggling with interpersonal relationships and communication to try to challenge someone and hold them accountable on something. And it's not yeah. in no way is it like, Oh, everything is beautiful and lavender and clean. It's messy and there's tears and, yeah. but it's, I, I was just talking about this the other day. It's like, there is something though about that connection that you build with those people um, that then you get to take out. Like the way I've connected with these people in this group therapy has positively influenced my relationship with my mom and my boyfriend. And it's like you were saying, Karen, of like, it's something that you do the group therapy for a hot minute or a bit. I keep saying hot minute, which I never say. We really do put a microphone in front of a person and we all lose it a little bit. It's real strange. Yeah. But then you get to take it out into the real world and it becomes less like clunky. Yeah. It just becomes a part of how you interact. Yeah. Yeah. That word accountability in the Christian tradition or the modern Christian tradition, I think is a really weighted one because there's often such a power dynamic at play when we do accountability, like holding people accountable. There's usually like somebody is the sinner in that scenario who's being held accountable by, or like you're assigned an accountability partner if you have a problem who has been in charge of holding you accountable and you guys have to keep each other from sinning or whatever but um people who've been responsible for my thought life like yeah right it's crazy so many thought life oh like because i'm gay so in the church world that that was just that was the solution like oh you need a mentor you need an accountability person you need to meet with this pastor every week you need you know like so like so that they can essentially police my thinking wow. yeah no but yeah. my thinking about it like like thinking about you know what are you what are you meditating on Matthew like are you yeah it's just that 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 is it's a power you're absolutely right it's a it's a very much a power struggle power dynamic yeah but if you can if you can do accountability in a way that isn't trying to fix you you know, then it becomes something else when it's, when it's accountability, that's just like, Oh, this is a thing that you want to do. Cool. I'll help you do it. There's, that's championing mm-hmm. to me, you know, that's like a, I, like that. that's that's like awesome. a get, I stole that from Colby, but that's like a get, you know, that's like, I'm coming behind you on something that you are aspiring to, and I will right. champion you instead mm-hmm. of like, which is, it's essentially the same thing. I think it's just that that word got broken for us a little bit. The power is different. It's like the power you're in the driver's seat and you're empowering yourself by realizing you can't do it alone. So you reach out to somebody else and they're helping you with that versus it's like they're holding something over your head or they're because I it's so fascinating to me to kind of just observe my myself and notice that like my therapist or my friends, they can say something to me over and over again for a year. But until it is that right moment that I actually understand it or believe it or whatnot, 
it's just not going to mm-hmm. click. It and doesn't I'm matter. Be yeah. Really resistant until that point. It's got to be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that idea of like it's your team instead of like the police versus the criminal. You know, like the team. Just the team. I feel like there's there's uh, something in there for the store. It's a t-shirt that we can make out, out of accountability partner slash champion partner yeah. or something. Go team! Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love it. This has been really cool. I love talking with someone who has like this rich tradition that I knew nothing about. Thank uh, you for very, yeah, oh, of course. Thank you. Um, that, yeah. You know, I feel educated. I also feel, um, I feel inspired in some really specific ways, you know, like some of the things that you pulled out for me were um, just that forgiveness mantra is like a big deal. I, I, I'm going to be. Yeah chewing on that for a minute and um nice. it's also a nice hot minute a hot, hot, minute, a hot minute a very minute. steamy hot minute. <laughs> steamy, um, <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> uh and it's it's also just really cool i mean we talked to so many people who um for whom their religious upbringing has in a big way crippled them mm. you know and so it's really cool to encounter a religious tradition that maybe wasn't as crippling as yeah. some of the others but like, <laughs> but, but also like you still you can still butt up against you can still like contest in ways um that that don't when it doesn't feel right for you but but that also equipped you in some really cool ways like mm. hearing about the, the the female leadership and everything like that it's just it's just really cool yes and i didn't realize that until like this point in my life like when I was younger I didn't really recognize that and now I'm like oh because I guess like my word for this year was assertiveness but my theme was also just like women friendship like Mm. I just Mm -hmm. found community in my in the ladies and I'm like oh it makes so much sense makes so much sense that's beautiful I feel like that's like I feel, I, I don't know. I've, I feel like I see a lot of that right now in the world, like women standing up for women. Oh, it's such a beautiful thing. It is gorgeous. Sometimes, I don't know if this happens for you, Karen, but like sometimes I'm walking down the street and I like share a glance with this, a woman, stranger. And it's almost like mm-hmm. we wink at each other without winking at each other, where it's like, we see each other. We recognize yeah. like, which is not how it used to be. It used to be more competitive and, Fear for me, it was always just fear. I was instantly intimidated by any other woman that was in my area. And mm-hmm. now it's like, we got each other. And I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm laughing so, because no. like, Karen, this is like, right. This is so much of what you've been doing this same this year too, right? Uh, this is, yeah. All of our work that we've been doing this year is all kind of around this idea. And like, I love, 
I, for me too, like I had the same thing with women. I didn't have many close female friendships and they did have, you know, were sometimes fraught with different things and um, large groups of women were super scary. Um, But I think that, you know, if you're looking for silver linings in our political climate, I think that part of, part of the silver lining is just the increase in camaraderie, even in just different, lots of, I think across different, lots, lots of different, groups that have been marginalized in different ways and to differing degrees. But I think that there is um, just sort of a a hunger games E like strengthening of the bond, you know, where we're all like, no, okay. We all have our little signal that we put up. (laughs) We're against. Yeah. Right. Like we used to have all this other little petty stuff that we were dealing with. Right. Like we had our other weird things and none of that actually matters right now because we have a common goal yeah. So like now we, and, and having that common objective gives us an opportunity to see each other and be like, Oh, Oh, well, hi. Oh, nice to hi. meet you. Like you're actually awesome. This is cool. Yes. So yes. it's, yeah. it's such a cool, it's a cool side of, if we're going to have a silver lining, I'm, I am eternally grateful that it is that one because yeah. I feel like we have that in a way that I certainly never did. And it's life changing magic. For it- sure. You are stealing the words from my mouth. Life-changing magic. That is it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. So I'm going to invite you to all of our girl stuff now, so that's cool. (laughs) 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 Do you want to come to our... We've got... We had parties. I'll tell you about it later. It's great. Um, Please do. Um, I never get invited. Okay. (laughs) okay. We queers have our own parties. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Can we like, well, one day we'll conjoin parties. And, uh, yes. It's got to be I mean, intersectional, right? Mm-mm-mm-mm. Our, yeah. our allies like must be intersectional. Mm-hmm. We got to get you on a day where you or she is, is powerful and then she can show. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> you know. she's, yeah, you know. she's very powerful these days, actually. Yeah, I know. We'll see. We'll balance it out. We got to figure that out, actually. We've got to figure out a good way to cross over that space occasionally. Yeah. It can't be every time because of the safe space thing, but like, we got to figure out some cool ways to like play with the binary on those totally. groups now that we've got them going so well. And but. Hey, that's a fun, cool new challenge to take on. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. It's another okay. thing. Okay. Yeah, I never do that. I like you so much. Megan is my favorite. Every time, every time you do a podcast, I like, I love the person so much. (laughs) You're my best friend now. We've made so many new best friends. It's great. It's so funny. Oh, no. Seriously, though. I was like, you're so pretty. She's so pretty. Can I tell her that she's pretty? It's not just like, you're physically new. It's the shirt. You know. (laughs) <laughs> oh you well seriously no though you have been delightful and like this has just been lovely and it has been um just i don't know everything that that you i just yeah i i amen to everything that you've said i think that it's all yeah. good and important and lovely and wise so yeah I, I'm thanks really happy for being that. here you're yeah. welcome. Thank you for having me in mm-hmm. that hat. Just wearing that uh, hat. <laughs> you come and dress up. everyone. <laughs> Jehovah and Jesus and everybody else for this hat because it is. I feel like it's like what Liza Minnelli would wear to the grocery store, maybe. Which is kind of trying to be incognito, but like also fashionable. Yeah. Beautiful. I love it. It's, oh, you say that, yes. Yeah, With right? giant sunglasses. Yeah, uh-huh. she absolutely would. I feel like this is this is how I'm going to dress 
like when I'm an old woman. I think good, that's good, good, good. I'm gonna wear I'm gonna wear gray okay. and black, which is what okay. I normally wear until then, and then I'm gonna just lose it. Why so delay the inevitable, Karen? Right? Because <laughs> I can't. I can't. I actually am not a big color and pattern person. Like I don't love them. They make me feel overstimulated. But I think seventy-five-year-old <laughs> me is gonna be there. Like I yeah. think she'll be into it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I can see it. You're in a rocking chair, by the way, in my vision. But it's like a cool rocking chair. Like you got hand like, made for you. An artisanal. I love it. You know, I love it. Perfect. Thanks for listening to Heathen. We're here every week. And in the meantime, if you miss us, you can find us in the following ways. Follow at Heathen Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us an email at askheathen at gmail.com, especially if you have feedback or ideas for future episodes. Leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and that helps other people find Heathen. And if you'd like to contribute to this community for people who need a soft place to land as they move away from bad religion, you can support Heathen on Patreon at patreon.com slash heathen podcast well thank you for your support with exclusive bonus content which you know is going to be freaking awesome wherever you find yourself in this space of godless spirituality spiritual godlessness or anywhere in between you're not alone we're glad you're here here's to the heathens heathens